Hello and welcome to episode 19 of Shared Discovery, the show and podcast dedicated to sharing the many exciting and enjoyable aspects of games and gaming. I'm your host, Victor. Today, I'm joined by our new co-host, Chandler. Chandler, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good today, Vic. How about you? I'm doing great. I'm glad to finally get you in here. We've been trying to get you in here for months. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to be part of the BCTV program here. Super mm-hmm. excited to be a part of Shared Discovery. You brought us some really cool topics, but I think before we get into that, we need to let them know who you are. All right, well, you already kind of kicked it off. I am Chandler. Um, so let me let me guide you. With, let me give you the questions. These are the questions that I ask all our new co-hosts, sure. right? Because this is about games, right? I don't want you to tell us about your business. I want to tell you about games, right? <laughs> so how long have you been playing games? What are your favorite games? Sure, no, 100%. Mm-hmm. So, um, man, the, the first part of that, you know, how long have I been playing games? Mm-hmm. That very long time here, folks. Um, as far back as I could go, when you asked me this question, I mean, I have you know memories of playing Candyland, things like that, but I don't really consider that when I first started playing games. Um, really, I've got a lot of great memories with the family. Uh, definitely, when I was out about camping, I'm sure a lot of you out there can kind of feel the same thing. Been on those rainy days, we just sit in, we'd play some chess, you know, backgammon, things in that nature, card games. You know, we just kind of make them up on the fly too. They're just uh, yeah. So we're talking at least two decades. I've been there for a big part of it, too. Yep. I remember us playing Pokemon Master Trainer. Yes. Po- we're going to be talking a lot about Pokemon today. Yes, we are going to be talking about Pokemon. But, and again, bringing me right back to us, making our own rules for games. We've been doing that for a long time. 100%. We've been playing games. Oh, man. You are. I think I met you first when you were six. I was nine. Probably around there. If oh, you're keeping wow. tabs on it, yeah. That was the main thing we did was play games. 100%. That's all there was to do, and it was a wonderful time. But if you were to kind of dive down a little bit deeper into what are my current favorite games, mm-hmm. I've actually joined one of our uh, local community chess clubs. Really? So um, I am ranked in the you know high 3200s. That's a lie. I have not <laughs> ranked myself yet. I'm not a very good player. But um, okay. what I really like about uh, chess is that it's almost the most balanced game I can probably think about where it's just wit against wit after you understand what the game's all about and I really appreciate it. No randomness. There's only randomness in the coin flip. Correct. You got it. Mm -hmm. Who's white, who's black. Skill through and through. Mm -hmm. So is that what you like about games what is it that's kept you playing games for this long? Oh boy I I see games as an art form Um, and so pretty much anytime I'm plugging in a cartridge and actually personal thing about me the newest console I own is a Nintendo GameCube Uh, I just refuse to uh, that's a lie he owns a Nintendo Switch okay that my wife owns that oh oh yeah no no that's not mine she made that very clear we owe everything to own everything together oh gotcha yeah Uh, yes (laughs) no I just love something about you know plugging in a cartridge and just Mm -hmm. seeing what individuals could do with a very limited pool of resources because like nowadays Mm -hmm. I mean when it comes to graphics sound things in that nature it's just incredible. Like it's actually stepping into real life yeah. where I really enjoy a, these limitations yes. and how someone could tell a story within those limitations. Yes, absolutely. And that actually segues really nicely into what we're talking about today. Okay. Right. Yep. You brought me this topic. I never thought of thought about it, but when <laughs> I started diving in, I was like, wow, this is a huge, very interesting topic. It, it goes deep. It goes deep. So today we're going to be talking about the history of patches and updates in games. Yep. Right. How did game designers and developers update their games in the past yep. and how do they do it now 100% so that being said I want to jump in and ask you a question out of the gate this is what we like to do to lead into the let's question. dive Victor dive right in yep. so what game patch has improved a game for you oh that's a wonderful question Victor mm-hmm. so actually I, I would like to start out with any localization oh well Hold on, hold on. Uh, we actually have a patch for this question. Oh, of course. Yes. Of course. Yeah, sorry, sorry about that. I, I want it to be a more balanced question for you. Yes, day, one, day one patches, yep, right? Continue. Okay, so question 1.1. 1. 1. 
yes. what game patch has improved or worsened your experience. Okay, I love mm -hmm. the question. I love the little update there. Yes, definitely made the question a little bit better for me. I'd like to actually talk about now League of Legends and kind of what mm -hmm. Legion of Legends have done uh, over the past yeah. with some of their updates. What? What's what? going on there, Vic? So, okay, we, have, we actually have another patch for you. I'm so sorry. I know, I know these day one patches are rolling in, but it's again, to make a good experience for you. Of course, Victor. So, all right, patch 1.2. What game patch or update has improved or worsened your experience? Improved or worsened my, the update. Okay, update, yes, yes, update, yep. okay. We added that word update to make sure you know what we're right. talking They're about. Kind you're, of, yeah, interchangeable. You're, you're a blueberry man, right? Didn't want to get that confused. Blueberry patch, yes. I like that. <laughs> huh? um, well, no, with that question, that actually makes me go right over to Donkey Kong Country 3. So it's one of my favorite pastimes made in 1996. And actually with both the, is there something else going on here, Vic? Okay, I th they assure me that this is the final update. Who is it? Listen, I didn't make the game, okay? I'm, I, I'm referring. All right, Vic. I'm laying the information to All right. you. Okay, version 2.0, 2. 2.0, final question. Final question. Okay. This is going to encompass patches updates for you. What was a really memorable game update or patch for you? Okay, so yes. most memorable. Memorable. Okay, yeah, and mm -hmm. actually we're going to be talking a little bit about this at the bottom of the hour, but I'd really like to talk about League of Legends yes. here. Yeah. And so um, even though you know patches can have kind of upsides mm -hmm. and downsides, a very memorable but kind of downside for me with mm -hmm. League of Legends was one of my very favorite characters, um, Urgot, for those of us, the OG Urgot fans mm -hmm. out there for our League of Legends players, um, got a complete rework. And yep. that was an update to the game that I was not expecting. Um, actually, I wasn't playing the game for a little while. Came back in and realized that one of the things I absolutely loved about it was now gone. Yeah. Just with a patch and an update. Patch and an update. League is notorious for those reworks. Yep. Right. You take a lot of time off. You're gonna you're gonna lose some stuff. There's gonna yes. be new things. You're gonna have to learn. You're gonna have to study. Hundred percent. Right. So that stuck out to you for not a very good reason. Correct. But it's ingrained. It's ingrained. Yep. One of the patches that stuck out to me that's memorable was for a good reason, right? I played, I played World of Warcraft a lot. Oh yes, listeners, I listeners know this, yes, right? Yes, yes. And sometime around the Wrath of the Lich King Cataclysm yeah. expansion, yep. they added different forms and different colors to the druid shape shifting. Right. So for yes. the longest time, mm -hmm. the druid forms you your color would be based on the skin color of your character or the race that you were. And there wasn't much deviation to that. Right. But they added these the system, I think it was called glyphs, and, and later on they let you pick just from the get-go sure. what color you would be, what type you would be. You could have augment your horns and stuff. Sure. So it's like, whoa, this is this was a, a universally loved patch, right? For the customization. Right. Yeah. And so I think our two answers here, memorable, really right. highlights what we're gonna be talking about today. The pros, the cons that come cons. with patches. Yes. And our little bit with this. This intro question highlights potential con with you got it. patches, but I think it's time to dive in. Let's dive. Diving deeper now this time, right? We're, we're diving yes. deeper. No more patches on the questions? No more, uh, no more patches on the questions. I can't promise anything at the bottom of the hour. Okay. But as we go through, okay. we sh this, is, this is final. We will see. It's a cartridge. <laughs> it's a cartridge. <laughs> so we have a disclaimer. We have a disclaimer in all of our episodes. Okay. Right. So this is not an exhaustive list of all the ways that game developers update their games and have done it historically, but it's an overview. Yeah, of course. Right? We want to highlight the numerous ways that they have, but we're going to miss examples. Yes. And that's okay. And if we do miss examples, let us know in the comments. Email us at sharediscoveryshow at gmail.com. We want to know, and we'd love to touch on that in another episode. All right. Another thing I want to say is that we are going to use the word patch 
and update interchangeably throughout okay. the episode. Yeah. So, so we're all going to be good with that. Yeah, right. so don't tear us apart if we keep switching them. And if you have things, just put it in the comment section, as Vic said, and yeah, we'll, 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 we'll read some of them. We'll read them. Yeah, oh, we'll read them. Yeah, all of them. We'll all read right. them. I'm going to start off with a definition as we... you got to define it, right? as, as we plunge in yes. here. So, <clears throat> verbatim, we've got, what is a patch? So yes. a patch yep. in computer games is a set of updates or modifications that are made to the game to fix bugs, mm -hmm. improve the performance, mm -hmm. or add new features, right? Kind of back to that yes. world of Warcraft, yes. kind of the glyph, right? Mm -hmm. uh, these updates can be applied to the game through a variety of methods, such as through online services, by downloading a file to the internet, or by using a direct, direct disk or USB drive. Yes. Uh, patches are often released as a way for the game developers to improve the game for players and to address any issues that have been found in the game. And I really like this definition. While it is ostensibly for computer games only, Yes. if you drop the computer out of this definition, the core of what a patch is is fixing a game. Correct. Right? And as we'll see as we get into these additional methods, that is what a patch or an update is go was intended to do even before they had the hardware to do it right. on consoles and cartridges. So I really like this de definition. So think about this as we talk about a patch or an update, fixing bugs, yep. improving performance, and adding features. These are the three th key aspects that we're gonna focus on I couldn't agree more. today. Yep. And so as we dive in, again, history. So we're gonna start with the methods to update games without the internet. Without the internet? Without oh the internet. Oh my, was that a time? <laughs> so I do have to shout out a YouTuber that actually helped a lot with this research. Oh, cool. uh, his name, his, their channel's name is Kiro Talks YouTube okay. channel. And had a couple videos actually titled Updates Before the Internet. So directly helped with a lot of this research. Oh, I love so that. I wanted to shout that out. Okay, perfect. Okay. Kick us off with the very first method that was used for games. For those of you playing at home, now's the time to make your guess. They didn't. They didn't. They did not. Not mm -hmm. at all. Um, mm -hmm. You know, whether it was finished or not, the game just came out as it was. Yes. The bug was the bug. The glitch was the glitch. The language that it came out in was the language it came out in. Yes. Yep. And there were many games that released. Yep. That's how they released. 100%. Never thought about again. We'll fix the game in game two. Sure, if it got that far. If it got that far, yep. but oftentimes they were never touched again because they didn't they weren't successful. They didn't get the money. We're talking to you, Cheetahman, back in the original Nintendo. Yep. Uh, notoriously known for being glitchy and not a good game. Okay. Yes. What so. is that game? Cheetahman, yeah. uh, <laughs> would you believe me if I said I never played all the way through because it was so frustrating? It was so frustrating. It was so frustrating. Um, actually, it's one of the rarer games up there on the charts. I know we're not here to talk about, you know, that kind of stuff. Yep. But, um, yeah, no, it was just a completely broken game on the original Nintendo. And actually, I believe it was an unlicensed game, really? which probably would tell you a thing or two about it. Um, but yeah, no, it's just a prime example of just a game that was released. Hey, you know, we're just going to make the money we make off of it. Mm -hmm. And if people like it, maybe we'll make another maybe one. Maybe we'll get another one. Yep. Um, but another example, too, would mm -hmm. be um, kind of mm -hmm. any of your Japanese releases for, let's say, the like original Super Nintendo. Sure. Right? I know Clock Tower is one of those. Mm -hmm. And um, Clock Tower just had a Japanese release, and so it never got an English localization. Yes. So it just came out as a beautiful game, mm -hmm. but it only came out the one time. Yeah, there were classic. That's a classic case of not getting updated because it didn't, it was successful, but not enough to reach the whole world. Correct, 100%. And that actually leads us into our next method of updating games, which is regional or international releases. Okay. Right? So a game gets successful enough, they would often release it in one region or country first, yep. Japan. Yes. 
specifically, and then months or years later, they would release it across the world. Mm -hmm. And this was called localization. And video game localization, for those of you who don't know, is the process when all assets of a game are translated and all voiceover is recorded in the target language. Correct. Right? And yeah. so what, what happens with this localization process is if there's enough time between them, it gives them time to fix issues that were, they found in the game. So yeah. the first version of the game in Japan often becomes playtest. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. Right? Yep. And a good example of this is the original Super Mario Bros. Of course. 100%. And this released in Japan on September 13th, 1985. And then it released in America on October 18th, 1985. But it's not a lot of time. I know you're saying, you just said it. They're yep. probably saying it too. That's not a lot of time. How did they update it? Well, it wasn't because of the America release, American release that they were able to update it. It's because of the European release. Oh. The European release didn't come out until May 15th, 1987. Okay. So that gave them a year and a half of the Americans and the Japanese sure. fan base playing the game, playtesting, and finding the glitches. Right. And one glitch that I really found interesting was in every single water level, there's the tube to get out, right? Yes. And there's above it, there's an empty block there. And in the original American and Japanese versions, there's a way as Big Mario to glitch into that block and then yes. get caught in the blocks, and you are stuck in the level until the time runs out. Yeah. No, no, I, I, I totally know what you're talking about. And this mm -hmm. is kind of like a little homage to maybe episode 12, right? The speed running? The speed running. Yep. Huge speed running thing. Yes. These uh, localizations yes. is definitely where a lot of um, the speed running even competitions come from, mm -hmm. right? English versus the Japanese versions versus the PAL versions. Oh, absolutely. Yep, all have their major differences. And we can touch on this here, but I, I think this is actually a really great time to touch on this sure. because the localizations, people will have their favorite localization yep. of a game because the text moves faster. There's a glitch that allows you to beat the game 20 minutes faster. Yep. Right? They yep. So people will pick those localizations, and some fans in the speedrunning community will get frustrated yeah. when a glitch gets fixed, an yep. exploit gets fixed. Sure. Because then they can't go as fast. Yep. Yeah. So that's that's a potential downside of the localization. But again, think about that intention of a patch. Correct. Intention is to fix the experience for majority of the fans. Right. Not the minority. Not the minority here. Yep. And so that gave time, this European version, a year and a half later, gave them time to just put a block there. Yep. That's all they needed. That's all they needed to do to fix it. Yep. And this wouldn't be complete. This localization conversation wouldn't be complete without a discussion about Pokemon. And everyone around here knows we talk about Pokemon at least one, uh, once every episode. Okay, well, check the box. Check the box. So, historically, Pokemon is released first in Japan. Yes. Much earlier than the rest of the world. Yep. So this gave time for a lot of that playtesting. So because of that, when they would release new games, they were able to change the sounds and update the graphics, the names, yep. glitches. All the sprites, I think, too, for sprites, the Pokemon. Yep. Yeah. So for the first red and green release, mm -hmm. the uh, sprites kind of looked like <laughs> yep. duty butt. <laughs> they looked really bad. So when blue came out, they actually revamped them. I actually recommend go looking up the difference between those sprites. They're wildly they different. They are. They're crazy different. They're crazy different. Yep. So that, that's a huge benefit of these localizations. Yep. Gives them time to update them in a lot of ways. But we'll move on here to oh. the next method. Correct. Number three here. We got Number updated three. releases. So uh, sometimes they wouldn't wait for an international release. Mm -hmm. Right, and it would simply release as an updated version of the game to you know stop the game breaking bugs yep. and things of that mm -hmm. nature. And I think Ocarina of Time 
those of us this who are, are good example of Legend of Zelda fans out yes. there. How many different patches? Yeah, uh, so for those of you that are watching and those that aren't, we actually have a copy of Ocarina of Time here me on, with me on the studio. Thank you for bringing that up. No problem, that's what I do. <laughs> not, not as many copies as you're about to tell me. Right, oh yeah, uh, <laughs> six versions. So what? <sighs> we had version 1.0, 1.1, 1.2, PAL 1.0. Did Pal one have a? Uh, yep, Pal had a 1.1, mm -hmm. and then um, for those of us that were GameCube lovers, and yes. I can't remember exactly how it came out on the GameCube, but for the Master Quest mm -hmm. version, there was another Ocarina of Time release, and that yes. was some special pre-order, or yeah, it was actually a pre-order <clears throat> release. They were trying. We'll get into this later when we get into additional hardware, but they sure. were trying to update the cartridges, but then they just realized it's easier to send the game as a pre-release, a, right. a pre-order bonus for Wind Waker. Wind Waker, yeah, yep. no, beautiful mm -hmm. game, beautiful game. But six releases. That's I know <laughs> six versions, yep. and every single version fixed glitches, music, changed censoring. Yep, every single one. And they all had different motherboards, right? Like every single one on the inside was a different version of the printing and the coding. I mean, it just <laughs> it's, it's, it's so it's, it's it's so weird too. And what's really weird about this one specifically mm -hmm. is all of these updates were actually done before the 1.0 release. And because, and the reason for that is, there's speculation, but probably money. They had all the cartridges probably made, money. and as they were testing them, sure. they found out that, okay, these bugs are in here. Right. We can't just throw away millions of games. Correct. Send it out, we'll fix it in a new, new version. Right. Mm-hmm. It's weird. All right, I think we're done with this sheet. Is this, is this how we do this? Ready? Send it. You beat me. You got me. It went further. Mm. And... So what was really interesting in the video I watched okay, is yeah. that some could say th that since these updates f and patches, as we call, for Ocarina of Time came out before the game release, some consider this the world's first day one patch. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. All the back. Yeah. What was that? 1996? Anyway. Did we put that? Oh, I just anyway, threw the shit. I, I, anyway, I think. I 96, yeah. I believe. Yeah. In the comment section, let me know if I got that right. <laughs> I had, what, six versions to at least get that you right with, so I got some yes, leeway sure. there. But anyway, no, it's absolutely insane. And what else do we got for? So this would, next category is very similar to that. Yep. But it was a, additional. Okay. So this is the updated re-release or the remixes. So these re they would, again, release the, a different version of the game, but in the version of the game, they're not just fixing bugs. They're sure. increasing the scope of the game. Oh, yeah. They're yeah. adding much more content to yep. the game. So they'd fix the bugs and the glitches that were found in the playtesting, but they'd add all kinds of new content. And again, think about Pokemon. We okay. started touching on this, right? <clears throat> and we talked about blue version updating the sprites, yep. but yellow version came out even after those three games were playtested, and it added all kinds of new features. Right, yeah, it had the, um, where Pikachu would follow behind you, right? Following was, Pikachu. And you can interact with them, he would have um, different, uh, uh, what, emotions throughout yep. the game, depending on... the first on example yep. of the happiness mechanic. Yes, Pokemon. yep, mm -hmm. nope, that's pretty cool. And they added new trainers, all kinds of new trainers throughout the game. Yep. And they fixed bugs that came through at it, but yes, they like did. they added, and they made it feel like the anime. So they added Jesse and James to the games. They did, didn't they? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. No, that's a nice little throwback. Yep. And then Pokemon's also really known for this for the uh, definitive third edition of the game, right? So think about Ruby and Sapphire had Emerald version. Right. So uh, Ruby and Sapphire would be played for a couple years, then Emerald would come out, yep. add more content. So Emerald added the Battle Frontier. 
Correct. Yeah. At the end of the game, end game content, and fix a bunch of issues. Like Ruby and Sapphire had a berry glitch that we'll talk about later, but it also had like issues with how shinies were sure. encountered. So the Emerald fixed that, but added content along the way as well. But a discussion about remixes. Here it is. It's not complete. Buckle up. <laughs> Please do buckle up. This is wild. And I'm going to read them all and then we'll talk about it. Yep. Street Fighter 2. Yep. Classic and this game. came up in multiple places across the research because it frustrates a lot of people. Here we go. Ready? You ready to hear all the versions? All right, I'm ready, Vic. Uh, yep. <clears throat> okay, Street Fighter 2, The World Warrior, first released in 1991 on the arcade version. Yep. And then after that, it came out in home console. So Street Fighter 2, the Champion Edition, 1992. Street Fighter 2, Hyper Fighting, 1992. Street Fighters Super, uh, Super Street Fighter Turbo. <laughs> I'm lost already. Let me start. Let me rewind here. Okay. Super Street Fighter, The New Challengers, 1993. Turbo Street Fighter, 1994. Super Street Fighter Turbo Revival, 2001. Hyper Street Fighter, the Anniversary Edition. Can't forget the Anniversary Edition. Super Street Fighter Tur Turbo HD Remix, 2008. Ultra, Super Ultra Street Fighter 2, the Final Challengers, 2017. I can't even get through it. But you forgot to mention, um, oh we gosh. have Ultra uh, Street Fighter 2 Turbo Extra Super Final Challengers. Hey, don't confuse them more. <laughs> I couldn't even read the list without confusing myself. It's it's absolutely insane. It's and insane. Didn't this kind of tear apart some of it absolutely. the following? That yeah. is what I was reading, is as fighting game fans, it's very competitive. These were probably yes. the best fighting games that existed at the time. Yep. Mechanically, this is so people wanted more yeah. this was part of it but they didn't have the technology so they would release this new game sometime in the same year sure release this, the new game with new characters new mechanics this yep. game would slow down the game this game would speed up the game and what was actually really interesting that led to some of the mechanics in later games yeah. is they had modders back then and someone oh. modded the game to crank up the speed like times four so it was fast and people got addicted to that speed oh really they okay. were like wow this is fun gotcha so it had appeals and yep. then the developers were like, well, we need to do that. So they sure. sped it up in one of these re-releases. But the issue is that I was reading in these articles, it was frustrating being right. a fighting fan because you'd buy a cartridge and then half a year, year later, yep. it's obsolete and yep. you have to buy the new game if you want to keep up with the community. Right. Extremely expensive. Extremely ex expensive. Yep. And it wasn't until the 2017 release of Ultra Street Fighter II, The Final Challengers, that a game had all of the characters. Are you serious? That's how long, you can go wow. on the wiki for this and you can see a chart of each game and which game has which characters. And it wasn't until the 2017 one that you could get all 20 characters. That Absolutely insane. It's insane. So, so yeah. Updated re-releases and remixes. And Street remixes. Fighter 2, the pinnacle example of probably not how not to do it. And what's interesting is these games would cost about $40 back in the day, each <laughs> each one. That's a lot of money. How much do you think it would cost to buy this collection today? <laughs> not that much. Cause really? Cause I, I, th I would assume that it would probably drop in value because it's all over the place. They printed and they, a bunch. Yeah, they printed a bunch, mm -hmm. but also like you have such a segregated fan base True. that you know, I, I feel like... I don't know. That'd be fascinating. We yeah. might have to check back in on that. Definitely, 100%. Post that on the Twitter that we definitely have. <laughs> All right, so we hinted to it. We hinted to this next one, and this is the next category that let them have it. Tell us what it is. Additional hardware. Yes. And remember, we're talking pre-internet here, mm -hmm. and so I absolutely loved this section. This was really cool to research on, and 
it was just a way to um, elevate your home consoles or anything in that nature and just add on something new to increase your gaming experience. Absolutely. And so um, one of the prime examples that I know I grew up with as a kid mm -hmm. was the Super Game Boy. And I believe we also have one of those in the studio. We do have that in the oh, studio. Look at that with uh, Pokemon yeah. Yellow version in there. Let's grab that and oh, show them. Grab that? Yeah, grab that and show that I'm on the overhead here. Perfect. 100%. Yeah. So we've got uh, the Super Game Boy over here. And so what was really interesting about this was just a way to take something that was on just a handheld and that was typically always single player unless you had some kind of um, interconnectivity and you're able to play it on your home console at home. And this doesn't fit. It does not fit. The no, Game you Boy need Advance, the super ultra Game Boy For those listening, Deluxe. I tried to put the Game Boy Advance cartridge in there. It no. does not fit. The GameCube, though, did have yes, a uh, Game Boy player. We do player. have that here in the studio. Oh, we well. do have the... But, okay, wow. Sorry, we, we got them all. Keep going. No, no, we're good, we're good, we're yeah. good. And so with the Super Game Boy, what I absolutely found fascinating about it is that when you plugged in your cartridge, it would allow you to swap palettes. Mm. It would add mm -hmm. these lovely frames. Um, sometimes it would actually add additional content because I believe it was Space Invaders. Ooh, yes. If you would plug mm -hmm. in your Game Boy Space Invaders into the Super Nintendo, yeah. um, or the Super Game Boy here, you would get a 16-bit version of the mm. game. So it would completely overhaul the graphics, and yeah. you can play an extremely updated version. It was just a way to add additional hardware to your Game Boy console and have a great time. Yeah, but without having to send it into the developers, Correct. without having to buy a new game, yep. just buy this attachment and we're gonna give you things. And some yep. of the things that they added that you said uh, already, but they added an override screen uh, on screen for the colors. Yep. They displayed graphical borders across the screen, special background sprites, yep. they upgraded graphics. Mm -hmm. And this is one of the first ways of DLCs in a way. Yeah, I 100% right? agree. Another one of those. And this yep. this came out in 1994, and then the Super Game Boy 2 came out in 1998. Yep. Mm -hmm. I think that was Japanese only, though. Japanese only? I believe I so. Believe so. Yep. I think you're right about that, yep. yes. And so, staying with Nintendo here, yep. this one actually never caught on, but Nintendo had intentions for the Nintendo 64 to be able to update their cartridges yep. with a add-on with a floppy disk drive add-on called the 64 DD. Mm -hmm. yep. Came out in 1999. It was a big flop. It only sold 15,000 copies. Love that. <laughs> but the game the goal was to update games and extend the console's capabilities. Yeah. Right? And this brings us back to, I was about to say Wind Waker, but this brings us back to Ocarina of Time, yep, right? yep. the Master Edition. So yep. the Master Edition, what it did is it made the game harder mm -hmm. and it added and it redid dungeons. And they wanted to, instead of making a new version, they wanted to have players have a way to update it at home. Right. But it would, the hardware was not working well, it was a flop, they knew they were going on to the next console, yep. so let's just make it a GameCube game. Yep. So this, they, this was the intention, never went anywhere. Correct. But the next one that did really go so, somewhere that I thought was fascinating way to update past games was for the Sega Genesis. Oof. And this was Sonic and Knuckles. Sorry, I'm a big Nintendo fan over here. <laughs> but, but you got to admit this is cool. I mean, this actually blew this me away. This is really sweet yep, how they did this. So this, when Sonic the Hedgehog 3 came out uh, on 19, February 2nd, 1994, it actually wasn't the full game. They split it in half for money reasons. Money. So Sonic 3 came out in February of 1994, and then Sonic & Knuckles, the second half of the game, came out on October 18, 1994. And what was so interesting about Sonic & Knuckles is it was a special cartridge that allowed you to plug in other Sega Genesis cartridges yep. to it. And when you did that, 
lots of cool things happened. <laughs> you, if you plugged in Sonic 3 from earlier that year, and yep. you got the full game. Correct. It just combined the games. Okay. Couldn't have made a whole game, right? Yeah. The DLC yeah. problem. But if you plugged in Sonic 2, you were able to play through Sonic. Uh, that game with Knuckles. That's awesome. Yep. If you played plugged in Sonic 1, they gave you this Blue Sphere mini game. Yep. That I didn't look too much into it, but people really love that mini game. Yep. And then if you plug in any other Sega Genesis game, you got an additional level, only one, but an additional level of the Blue Sphere mini game based oh. on the code of the cartridge. That's that's super fascinating. I mean, I just mm -hmm. love that kind of creativity. Me too. I it's, mean that it's a really creative way to work with the limitation. Came out of a little bit of greed. Of course. But even it feels like they knew they were like chopping something in half, so let's give them as much as we can yeah. while we do that. And it gives me value yeah. for these older versions Absolutely. of things that just, you know, I, and it's I a played good through it once. Yeah. And what you're saying with value, it, it's really important because it's like, oh, I want to go back and play those games with yeah. Knuckles. I want to go see what, what levels I get uh, for the Blue Sphere game. Yeah. So this was a really creative way within the limitations of the time to update games. Yep. Oh, man, you brought this one up to me. Yes. The Nintendo e-reader. Yep, 100%. So, what, this was released in Japan back in December of 2001. Yep. <laughs> and so, uh, there was a North American release in September, I think, the following year. But it had this LED scanner that you would swipe, mm -hmm. and it had Game Boy Advance connectivity, correct? Yes. Yes. Game and Boy. I know one of the, um, like the, the more shining examples was with um, Animal Crossing. Yes. So for those of us who are Animal Crossing fans at home, right, came out in Nintendo GameCube in the North American release, but actually, uh, it was... There Animal was Crossing, right behind Animal, Oh, yeah, look at that, look at that. <laughs> um, there were actually, just a little side note, in Japan, there was a Nintendo 64 Animal Crossing release. Was there really? And the GameCube version is actually a port of that. That's fantastic. Yes. So do it, you have that version? I do not have I that version. I know you're a collector. Yeah, I am a collector, but it, they're, they're practically spitting images okay. of each other. Okay, okay. Um, but anyway, you take this e-reader and you connect it into the um, GameCube with the Game Boy Player, I believe. It would just plug into one of the uh, the controller slots. Yeah. Swipe the e-reader. Was it get... the controller slot, or was it like you physically put it into the game? I believe. Slot? I believe it was connected to the Game Boy Advance. Okay. You'd swipe, and it would be connected. I in. see what I you're saying. I could totally yes, be wrong. The cord would feed yes, in. Yes, the cord would feed in, yeah, kind of like with your um, mm -hmm. your Pokemon Coliseum yep. things in that nature. Yep. Uh, but when you would swipe these cards, you would get DLC pretty much. Mm -hmm. So I believe you'd travel to a new island or new items would appear yeah. and things. And, that, and just it was a wonderful, cool way to add additional tech, uh, the LED scanner, yeah. into the game and get additional content that would save afterwards. Like once you did your initial scan, it's part of the game now. Yeah. It's in there. And do you know if you scanned it on one game, could I give it to my friend to use for another one? It doesn't sound like something you could do, but I don't know. That sounds like a wonderful question. That sounds like a wonderful I question. Think we should test it, please, gentlemen. Please let us know in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, send them our way, actually, because mm -hmm. I could probably use a couple of those. There are a lot of games that they really optimized this e-reader for. Oh, sure. Think about um, Pokemon in general. They, Ruby and Sapphire, they added new trainers based on that. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, and then Super Mario Advance 4. Super Mario Bros. 3, that's actually the name of the game. <laughs> For the Game Boy Advance, <laughs> it added new levels and new power-ups. Sure. They, we already talked about the new items and designs for yep. Animal Crossing. And then it added mini-games throughout other Game Boy games. And then it had an exclusive version of Mario Party for cer certain games. And then it added also a Game & Watch 
game. And they only got to one Game & Watch game before they discontinued it, but they had a whole plan to make a bunch of these Game & Watch gotcha. swap well, cards. I, I absolutely love the e-reader, just that ability to take software and hardware and just add in additional content. I just thought it was genius for the time. It really is fascinating. It's really inventive, Yeah. what they the methods they came up with, these non-computer games. Correct, yeah, right? exactly. Okay, so the last one we have on the list here is called the uh, company distribution events and updates, and yep. these Pokemon fans know these well. And this is where the companies would hold these events to get exclusive content and or like require you to mail in your cartridges. Yes, yep, mm -hmm. I remember a couple of these oh, at the old GameStop. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. I think I'm done with this sheet, ready? Nice. And so for Pokemon, you could get legendary Pokemon, or mythicals as they are called now. Mm -hmm. Essentially, they're legendary in lore, but they're separate from legendaries because they get the mythical category uh, title because you can't get them in the game by normal means. Sure, makes sense to me. So that, that's how you would get these mythical Pokemon. And then in Ruby and Sapphire, which we have on the table here, these two, there was the very first version of them, There's came out with what's called a berry glitch. Okay. And essentially, the game would track, from the time that you started it up, it would track days. And it, once it got to day 366, your internal clock would just break and shut off, and all time-based events would just stop. <laughs> Gone. Poof. So to remedy to this, Game Freak had a number of methods, right? They said you could mail in your cartridge, and it was really interesting. The website that allowed to mail in these cartridges mm -hmm. to, for them to update your games for you lasted until 2016. Didn't that come out in like 2004? 2003. 2003, okay, yes. so we're talking Long, 13 years. Yes. So they had that open for a while. Right, 100%. But every single game in the Gen 3 era, Emerald, Leaf Green, and Fire Red, for those of you wondering why Ruby, uh, sorry, Sapphire and Leaf Green don't have their stickers on them anymore, and for those podcast listeners, <clears throat> they don't have their stickers anymore because my brother liked to pull the stickers off his game. Yes, he did. <laughs> but the games that came out after them, so Emerald, Leaf Green, Fire Red, Pokemon Coliseum, and XD, which I also have behind me out here on Studio, if you hooked up your Sapphire or Ruby to those games, those games came with an update patch within the game oh, wow. that would send in send the data over to Ruby and Sapphire and get your clock moving again. Sure, that mm -hmm. that's a very um, software engineer way to uh, approach that problem. Mm -hmm. It's just genius. It's, it's really cool, because it's like, the, again, we didn't get true internet connectivity for Nintendo until the Wii, right? The DS era. Yep, Wii DS, yep. So, so that was a good way for them to do that. Mm -hmm. They know you're gonna buy more cartridges. They know you're gonna have friends that have them. Yep. So just plug them in, fix exactly. them. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And then the, another example of this was Dragon Warrior Monsters, a competitor or a similar monster collecting game to yes. Pokemon. Yes, Which you told me about. This. It's actually <laughs> one of my personal favorites. Hopefully you don't have any comments about that uh, down <laughs> below there, but um, no, I, it's a really, really cool game. Um, it takes, you know, the, the the monster fighting genre that kind of Pokemon is um, based upon, but 
one of the coolest concepts, I just have to talk about this for a little bit. Yeah, go ahead. Is that the replay value of Dragon Warrior Monsters is far superior, in my opinion, to Pokemon. Okay. Because there was a key system. And so you would unlock keys and things of that nature, and it would continue to create new worlds that you could adventure to. Yes, it, it's a really cool concept. I'd recommend yeah. people look up that at home. It, it, it was, I thought it was groundbreaking for it the time. It fascinating. I still play it today. You gave me a cartridge, and honestly, I don't know what happened to it in the move. Oh, I'm disappointed. It's okay. It. <laughs> I mean, the birthday's just around the corner. Just and we around can, the corner. Yeah, hundred percent. But no, um, they did something very um similar with just kind of these releases of uh, special monsters. Mm. And so you could go mm -hmm. into the store, and then they would give you an encounter with one of the I see. mythic legendary creatures yep. that you could fight against, and you could. Uh, so was there a way to fail that encounter? In that. That's a wonderful question. I hope there's that's no interesting. sad kids out there. That's interesting because sure. the Pokemon that give it to you. But right. I'm wondering if you had to battle it. Yeah. No. That's not, that's neither near, here, there. near or far. <laughs> but anyway, so those are the six, the yep. six way methods that we found before the internet, how they updated the game. So yep. we're going to move into the current state of updates and patches. Yep. And it's pretty simple. Tell me about it, Vic. You connect to the internet. And there it is. Is that the end of the episode? You yeah. connect to the internet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's way simpler. I even put in here, much simple. Much simple, great simple. <laughs> Pretty simple. All, basically, all the consoles, all the computers yep. at this point, you just can connect them Correct. to the internet. And, and even before the mass advent of the, com of the internet, like computer games, they still, I think we forgot, we did forget to mention this, magazines, you'd have to buy gaming magazines, they'd come with update discs, or you'd have to mail the, right. talk to um, the publisher, and they'd send you floppy discs. But now that the internet's there, you just, download the files yeah. or there's here's your special code type code, it in or, here it is yeah and log it's, in. it's just you just log into the game and yep. you can't play until it's updated correct very simple so we're not going to talk about how we got there i'm sure there's some software stuff uh, in in that we area yeah era, probably. but whatever we're more interested in talking about the pros and cons of what this looks like yep. and we can't talk about the modern age of updates without talking about early access correct and so what, that was considered alpha access, uh, the alpha founding, paid alpha game previews, things in yes, that nature, yes. are other terms that people may have heard before. And it's, it's a new method that game developers are using, both well and negatively, but it's a funding model for a video game industry by which the customers can purchase and play pr various pre-release uh, versions of the game. Okay. And along with this, you help fund the game yep. as they fix it and you help play test it. Yep. So the pros of that is you are helping to fund the game. Yep. You're giving player feedback, Correct. the developers are getting feedback, you're growing the community slowly, yep. and you get a discounted game because most early access games are a little cheap. 100%. Right? They're not going to yep. expect you to pay for a full price, full price game, game before it comes yep. out. And then a lot of people claim that there's a sense of ownership. I help make the game, upon sure. full release, I help make it a better experience. Sure. No, I could totally agree with that. But there's some real cons to this. <laughs> yes, there are, right? Um, oversaturation, there's I know so what we are talking about. I saw a statistic yep. that there's over 7,000 early there, access there. games on Steam. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah, no. Because I feel like in the beginning, you know, just having this um, early access may have been a really good form of marketing for a company, mm -hmm. but when the oversaturation comes... It's not helping There's them a lot of baggage that comes with it. Yes, hundred percent. Mm -hmm. um, we also had that there was no guarantees for the game to be finished. You, we'll, we'll get to an example of that here, but there's some really egregious sure. examples of 
putting out the game, coming with a lot of promises and flashy graphics, and then never yep. finishing. And what's not really too far between is that, like, the game was just never f- finished right, and mm-hmm. um, it never left that. Uh, what I'm looking for is the early access mode. It just it just never, never left, left it. it. Like you'll yeah. s- again, those seven thousand games. I'm sure, if we went through them, there's some that have just been in early access for five plus years yep. because they're never going to get finished. Yeah, and leads to the last one, right? Mm-hmm. They, they get burned because it takes them so long. Like maybe they got into it too early. Yeah. So and it's there's back to that baggage, right? Because we know of these limitations, some you might get these negative reviews. You might be people not even wanting to try your game, or if you were in early access for a long time, they'd be like, "Well, I still don't want to try it." Even if it becomes a good experience, sure. people become wary of the oh, early access yeah. moniker. Yep. So you have to really like state your expectations yes. clearly, yes. <laughs> right? And follow up. So a really yep. good example of this is a game that actually released this month, August of 2023. Baldur's Gate 3. Okay. So this moved into early access in 2020, three years ago. Okay. And it's been in early access that whole time. But during early access, they communicated, this is a huge game, we have a lot of plans, and we're working on it. Yeah. And they put out updates and patches along the way. They had, on their YouTube channel, they had these posts about what their updates are going. Sure. And what they did is they didn't put out the whole game. They put out Act 1. And said, play test this, play test this, play test this, give us feedback. Yep. Now that the game's out in full release, it's a much better experience and it's like universally loved right now. Yeah. On the Steam charts, it's in the top town of most play, like concurrent players wow. of all time. Really? Oh, eight, over 800,000 players concurrently, right? Yeah. That's a lot of players that's playing of at players. the same time. So that's a really good example of their sure. of early access being used well. But there's a there's a bad example. I don't have you heard of Cube World? Cube World, yeah. Cube World broken from the start, right? Cube World. Yeah. <laughs> so Cube World, uh, it promised to be Minecraft World of Warcraft. Right? Okay. Yeah. It had those graphics similar to Minecraft, but it promised a big expansive RPG. Sure. In the alpha version, it had bugs and it had glitches, but people knew, people knew, the updates were coming. Right. But it didn't end up releasing for six years after that. It didn't get any information or communication sure. from the developer right. for years. Yep. And then when it finally did release, it had less content than the alpha version. Was it still just as broken? And missed many of the promise content. <laughs> sure, yep. So, bad example here is games can just often be abandoned. Correct. And that can be, like, to the credit of the developers, that can be them not expecting a game to get where it was, sure. taking on too much by themselves, life circumstances yep. happening. But again, as gamers, we don't know that baggage comes. Right. Unless you're communicating, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And so you got to communicate to that. Yep. So that... So that's early access. You can't talk about the update system uh, of modern day without talking about early access. Of course. Yep. Okay, so we have a few pros and cons here to right. the early system. Well, to the modern, right? To the so modern. we're talking like yeah, sorry. with the internet to and all that mod- fun stuff. With the internet, the internet's here. So what are, what's a pro? I, I think system? one of the biggest pros is that they can immediately fix anything that goes wrong. Mm-hmm. And they have that access to you know, what, Baldur's Gate had, mm-hmm. what, 800,000 concurrent players? Yep. So if there's an issue, they can reach out to 800,000 people in a blink And they really out. do. So yep. I've been playing the game just 
every single day. And just about every day, there's a teeny little patch where they, they you log in, it downloads it, and they're like, we fixed this glitch where your character gets stuck. Sure. Fix this glitch where you're overpowered. <laughs> 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 where you, you glitch into a box. Is Whatever it is. Yeah, Whatever yeah. it is. But boom, like that. Yep. Within hours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's no uh, 13, 16 year long <laughs> mailing campaign to mailing fix my Pokemon campaign. cartridge. Mailing campaign. I don't have to connect to another game. Correct. Or, yep. I don't have to get my floppy disk mm-hmm. mailed in. Yeah, it's, it's extremely convenient. It is and very I think that's convenient. what I would just nail it down to. It's convenient, but that leads us to the next, to the con here. Yep. I think this is for me, right? And what I, <laughs> the way they phrase it is there's an issue in the gaming community in, where it can be patched later. And it's this mentality for designers and developers to get the game out there. And again, this might actually come become from their higher ups where we got to meet this deadline. Yes. You got to get the game out. I don't care how you do it, get it out. Yep. It can be patched later. So that's what you'll hear. And because of that, games come out in sloppy conditions or broken on release. Yep. A recent example of that is the new Jedi Survivors game. Okay. Yeah. And when it released, like it couldn't go over 30 fps it was crashing constantly many people couldn't connect to the servers and you know they fix it later and what i was seeing and this is really disappointing to me as an old gamer where i'm like this is the game i got i'm gonna play it and it's gonna be the best experience that i can get yeah you know a lot of people said i was reading through reddit posts and they said well i just wait six months to a year to play the game so that it can be the best version that they want it to be it's past the deadlines, it gets the patches, and it's like, that's disappointing. Sure. You know, what if you've been waiting for a game for a right. long time? Yep. Right? And back to early access, that was kind of disappointing. I waited the three years. Yep. But it, it was worth it, though, because it was good, but maybe it wasn't worth it. Right. Maybe it couldn't have been worth it. So, sure. so maybe if I can just yeah. you know, take this con and dissect it a little yep. bit, it's just comparing now this just against um, you know, the pre-internet. Mm-hmm. is back in the days, you know, with the cartridges behind me and all this stuff, you really just had one shot. You had one shot. You had one shot. Mm-hmm. And nowadays with the internet, it gives these companies some flexibility and some comfort. And now it's just kind of like, a, uh, it is what it is. It is what it is. And the culture is just saying meet that it's deadline, appropriate. Right? Yep. The board's like, meet the deadline, make us that money. Yep. Right? And that's what Boulder Skate is trying to change. Right? Yep. Using the early access appropriately to say, when a game officially releases, it can be a complete full experience. Yeah. Because back in the day, not everyone had the luxury yeah. of Street Fighter 2. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> that bring, brings us to the next pro. Next what do we pro. Got here? Yep, yep. And so um, with you mentioned with Boulder's Gate, right? There's Every time you log in, there's a consistent update, something along those lines. Mm-hmm. And it can really shake up a meta and competitive mm-hmm. gaming environment. I know just an homage to kind of the first 10 minutes here, I talked about League of Legends yeah. and I logged in one day and poof, my character was gone. But clearly I didn't really want to learn the new character, yeah. but he was extremely powerful. It was a good addition to the game. Mm-hmm. And I, I do think now with the health of League of Legends, it was a smart move. Yeah. But at the time I was disappointed to say exactly. the least. Telling you that to you, Riot. <clears throat> Ergot. Ergot. <laughs> but no, yeah, I, I think it's a, it's just a really cool aspect, and a lot of people absolutely love this. It keeps yes. the game ever-changing. I, I don't know how long League of Legends has been around for. I, I mean, think I played it first in 2008. Yeah, so, you know, we passed a decade. Yeah. And it's still alive. It's yeah, alive and well. Absolutely. And that is a beautiful thing to mm-hmm. see a community get around a game that has these kinds of updates and it just the internet has been able to just create this longevity for these things we love 
Absolutely. And yep. it's like there are people that want something fresh for the games they play. Yeah. Right? There are gamers like that who yep. are like, I want to come in and have something new every six months, every mm -hmm. now and then. I yeah. want new characters. Shake it up. I get that. Mm -hmm. I would I would save up money and buy a new character every now and then. Just not to my character. Just not to you. <laughs> I know they did that to Aurelia. <laughs> uh, okay. So back to the little con before sure. we move on here. Consistent patches can also be disruptive, mentally and physically exhausting as you try to keep up with the new mechanics. Mm -hmm. So while it's good to shake up the meta, like you, you just said, you don't want to learn your new character. Yep. There are plenty of people that feel burned out when three characters were, there was a period where like every single week League was releasing a new character. New character or changing an changing ability, an ability and it just Changing an it. item. It's yep. like, oh, it's exhausting. That yep. was one of the big reasons I stopped playing because it's like I would take a break because until I play games, come back six months later and it's like, what is happening? What is this game? I don't want to research. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I totally and agree. And so you, you know, new mechanics, new character strategies, maps, you got to relearn it all. And so there's no preservation of your favorite version of the game. Correct. Sorry. Go when ahead, you, when you speak preservation, preservation of games, yeah. uh, I, I think if we can and if we may move on to just some examples of good and bad patches. Yes, yes. I think at the bottom so, of the hour, it's good to give some tender. concrete examples. All right. So mm -hmm. um, as those uh, that uh, have the ability to see our lovely camera here, you might notice this nice little pin that probably is extremely reflective. But uh, those uh, may notice that that was the game manual for uh, OSRS, or as what I like to call uh, RuneScape. Yes. Oh, look at that. Thank you. Man, a little Vanna White we got over here. Anyway, my uh, <laughs> good friend uh, got that for me, and I absolutely love it. It's, really uh, it's in my game room. Yeah. But uh, RuneScape gets updates all the time, mm -hmm. right? And uh, you mentioned a kind of like a relic in time, right? Mm -hmm. If we could just capture some of these things. And RuneScape actually did that in 2007. That's okay. what we consider old school RuneScape now. But uh, to and go for to those the, of the, that don't know, what is RuneScape? RuneScape is a MMORPG that you can um, skill, you can do combat, you interact with other players. It, it, it's just a lot of fun, but it's kind of in a very, uh, let me say, 16-bit environment, yeah. right? So it, it, if, if you love that vibe, I love that vibe. Yeah. It, it actually, it's a big nostalgia factor. It's been around for, oh. Since we just looked this up, since 2001. 2001, mm -hmm. yes. And so it's been around for a long time, and clearly, kind of like League, it's been around for a reason. It's, it's yes. a lovely game. I recommend you mm -hmm. check it out. Um, two different versions. And so the, the latter version, which is, I believe, RuneScape 3 at this point, um, has gone through several patches and updates mm -hmm. throughout uh, time here. And let me bring out my patched here notes. We go. Here we go. Here <clears throat> on my uh, pantative. You patched my notes? You patched your notes. Dang. So there's just a couple key dates I'd really like to talk about. And so in 2006, there was an event called the Falador Massacre. And so this happened on June 6, 2006. And 666. Yes, it is. Yeah, nice. Um, and, and so what happened was there was a new ability that was updated uh, and brought into the game called Construction. And so what they brought to this was um, your character co could build their homes, and you could level up from 1 to 99 and just, you know, just build a home, add additional levels, basement, things of that nature. It was just a brand new ability that people absolutely loved. So when somebody first got to 99, which is a major thing in RuneScape, once you get to 99, typically there's parties. It's, it's a very big achievement. Mm -hmm. um, and so the individual to get their first 99 had a house party, right? It's construction. They invited them into their house, and there was hundreds of people there. And with that, the owner of the home, the guy that got the 99, 
was very annoyed by the amount of people, the text spamming, all that kind of stuff. It was just very annoying. And so he decided to kick everybody from his, uh, from his little home there. But what's really interesting is that if you were interacting with certain objects during that time, uh, there was some player versus player mechanics that could occur in the home. And so when everybody got kicked and those people that were interacting with those uh, items mm -hmm. and they got, went back to the home world where everybody was at, right, MMORPG, yeah. they were still able to fight other players and players couldn't fight back. Okay. And so as it was Dean Faldor Massacre, you're probably putting all the, the lines together how many, now. How many characters do you think had that glitch, had that ability to attack? I would probably say you could count the number on your hand. Really? Yes. So they went to town. Yes, they did. Yes. So they got the, like, Yes. They got the griefers. Yep, they got the griefers. Okay. Oh, yes, toxic, toxic players. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, it went down kind of in RuneScape uh, history as one of the most infamous glitches. Um, and Jagex, the uh, company that runs mm -hmm. RuneScape, had a lot of bad PR on it because uh, they had moderators come in, kick the guys that were um, kind of doing the killing and all that jazz. But since it took so long for them to fix the code, they couldn't rewind the game back because RuneScape mm -hmm. has a really unique time mechanic called yeah. ticks. And so they're able to rewind if there's game-breaking glitches and bugs. Sure. They've learned that it's a wonderful way to kind of rectify the situation, yeah. right? Because time doesn't go on. They just go back in time I and see. reset everybody. It's a beautiful thing. Okay. Um, and so there were um, very expensive items. And for those of us, again, who played RuneScape, there were party hats. I think a yellow party hat was the, um, the inventoried most expensive item lost that day. How much do you think that was... Real world money or in the game? Yes. Uh, real world money. I, so last time I remember looking this up, I mean, it was probably at least four or five hundred bucks. <laughs> right? So, I mean, because so it was in the take, billions, I believe. They're taking people's money at this point. Kind of, yeah. Because wow. you, you had to be in the original game at that time. Holy like, you know, because this game was going on for yeah. years. Some of those people that, you know, died That's that day. That's a collectible. It was a collectible. Holy. That's a wonderful way to put it. hundred percent. Fantastic. But yeah, no. Um, so that was at least one of the bad glitches, sure. things that needed to be patched, and it was done in real time. And a lot of these will be subjective, but I, th I think we can agree that's a bad one. It, that's a bad one. Tell us a, I, I like this good one. The, yeah. Tell them the woodcutting one. The, oh, the woodcutting <laughs> one. I, I don't remember the exact year, but I do remember around social media at the time, it was a, uh, a big to-do. Yes. But uh, again, I said that RuneScape has lots of skills. Construction was the one we just talked about woodcutting is another one you know you can use it to fletch and make bows and arrows things in that nature make uh, campfires sure. and <laughs> the the graphic symbol for woodcutting had one red pixel in it in like the bottom left hand corner and it just bugged the entire community <laughs> and so they just kept petitioning and petitioning and petitioning and one day they did a patch to remove yeah. the red pixel from the game i love that so uh, probably one of the best patches they've ever done that's a great way to use. Yes, and I, I think we could talk about RuneScape forever, but uh, do mm -hmm. you have any examples? I do. I uh, Actually, we were talking about League of Legends. Oh, send it. <laughs> you had an extra sheet to send. <laughs> Dang, I got to patch some more. Uh, some more. <laughs> I'll rip this in half and send that. But we talked about League of Legends, so I wanted to yep. look up some concrete pe numbers. Okay, yeah, right? of course. So a good one, again, this is subjective. Some people might not have liked it, but a lot of people in the community really liked it on May 23rd, 2012, and then November 12th, 2014, when there were huge graphical overhauls yeah. and technical updates to Summoner's Rift, which Summoner's Rift is the map in that game. Okay, yep. So it looked very good. I liked it a lot. 100%. I really liked I that, that graphical update, and yep. it was really well received by the community. Yeah, that was kind of the round of the time I started playing. Yes. Yep. And this one, this one's going to be more subjective, but it was bad for me and the reason why I left the game. So I, I went to the wiki page and I looked up, okay, how many items don't exist anymore? 
and I count. count my hand. <laughs> you need, uh, you need a couple more hands. Twenty-four hands. Oh. So two over two hundred and forty items have been deleted or reworked, which was generally changed or like changed into a different item or aspect of the game. Sure. Two hundred. You had to relearn. You had to relearn, and that yep. was what it was. And a lot of there are fans that like that. There are fans like me who are burnt out. Right. Uh, Would you consider yourself more of a casual player? Absolutely. Yeah, and I saw maybe it did more damage to the casual mm-hmm. player that would play maybe once or twice a week. Sure. And it was just hard to keep up. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's a, I, I know people who are super competitive who are on, on that biz, on those items, on those characters, and to like, we need a tweak, we need an update. Sure. That character's broken. But me, I'm like, I'm going to relearn this new item yeah. and this new character every time. Yep. So again, this is going to be subjective. I didn't have one off the top of my head that was universally panned by the community, an okay. update, but they're out there. Right. So we wanted to just give some examples of patches can be good, patches can be bad. And yep. it's I, your example of the massacre, yep. Falador. Very good. Falador good massacre was actually an example of a good and bad patch. Yeah. Right? Using patches. So they updated this patch to help the community add a new skill, but part of that also broke it. So they were, that was bad. Correct. But they were immediately within hours able to do everything they can. Yep. And that's a testament to our modern patch system. So, the bottom of the hour, we've got a few minutes here. I just want to reflect a little bit. And what do you think the most interesting part of the episode was to you? Um, unequivocally, uh, well, besides the 240 items in uh, League of Legends, did know about that. That's yeah. insane. Yeah. Uh, it would be the additional hardware. Mm-hmm. I just think that is, um, you know, being a past engineer, I mm-hmm. think that's just a awesome thing that they were able to do during the time without that ability of the internet to just increase and enhance the experience of the gamer. I I just absolutely love that. I I really found that fascinating. Like the Sonic and Knuckles game, how they were able to update the past two Sonic games and just also like have a reason like okay what what Genesis game do I have I'm gonna, I'm gonna plug in Lion King. Lion King. Let nice. me see. Let me. I did have that. Girl. Oh nice. Let me, okay. Let me see. Or like an X Men. Let me see what Sonic Blue Ball game I right. got. Right. Like, you could. What mini game? Because you could do that. Yep. So I really thought that was fascinating. And to me, I I love the RuneScape stuff you brought to yeah. me because I used to play it a lot too. Now I got as deep as you or our friend Joe yep. did. But I really. That's fascinating. And to me, I could see myself being really irritated with that red pixel. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I got to say. So I love that. That's, that's a piece of history that I absolutely love. Perfect. So that wraps it up, though. That's the bottom of the episode. Was that an hour? That was an hour. Holy cow. Blink, and it's an hour. That's what I was telling you. Yeah. So thanks for joining us. Thank you. I absolutely love this. I hope I'm, we can do it again. I'm hoping we can do it again very soon. So we got to also thank... BCTV. Thank you, BCTV, for allowing us to put on this production. Always, always a treat. Yeah, oh, no, this is so wonderful. so wonderful of yep. them to allow us to do this. And we said this earlier, but again, if you have any questions or updates you want to yell at us, that actually I liked that red pixel. I don't know if you want to open up that can of worms. <laughs> Send us an email at shareddiscoveryshow at gmail.com. We'd love to answer that on air. I'd love to get you back on for a RuneScape episode. Of course. I'll teach me all of that. Get, we'll best. get our friend Joe in here, too. Yeah, I'll That'd bring the pen. Fantastic. But it's time to sign off. Did you think of a sign-off? You're going to think of it in real time. Hap, hap. <laughs> That's okay. Wait, I'll give you a sign. Okay, oh, i got to do mine. <laughs> so I want to say thank you for joining us on episode 19 of Shared Discovery. Before we go, and as we go, make sure you be good people, be nice to each other, play some games, and sign us out, Chandler. Hap, hap. <laughs> That's your sign-off. That's my sign-off. I love that. <laughs> hey.